Welcome to the Fiat Podcast. Sharing powerful birth stories within a Catholic context. I am Nikki French. And I'm Laura Flaherty. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Elizabeth, and she is going to share with us about the birth of her two kids. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. Let's start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I uh, live in Texas with my husband and my daughter, Therese, who's two and a half years old now, and then my son, Gerard, who's almost 11 months old. Um, We've been married about three years, and I became a stay-at-home mom after I had Therese in 2018, but before that, I was an OBGYN sonographer for about five years before that, and um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited that you guys are doing this podcast because I love listening to all the birth podcasts and pregnancy podcasts, but I was really missing that, you know, Catholic perspective and, and stuff. So I'm so excited you guys started this. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, we get started by hearing a little bit about your first pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, so um, Therese, it's my daughter, and I got pregnant with Therese after we were married um, about two months, which was super exciting and literally a dream come true for us. We wanted to, you know, start trying to have a baby right away. So we were really exciting, uh, excited when I got pregnant with her. Um, and I worked through my pregnancy with her. So since I was a sonographer, it was kind of cool to check on her every once in a while with the ultrasound machine. And I was able to to see her when, gosh, I was like four or five weeks pregnant and all the way up to when I stopped working. Um, so that was really cool. Um, we have so many, we have so many pictures of her from, from the ultrasound. And I feel so bad because my son has hardly any, because <laughs> I wasn't in that same position, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I had, you know, a really, really healthy pregnancy with her. Thank God, zero issues, zero morning sickness and, and stuff like that, you know, besides the usual pain and, and discomfort towards the end of the pregnancy. But um, I decided to see like an, an OB when I was with her. He was already my established gynecologist and he was Catholic and I, I really, you know, it was really important to me. I mean, he had crucifixes in, in each of the exam rooms and things and that really comforted me. And even though we were more of the natural mindset and kind of maybe wanted a midwife and, and things like that, um, we ultimately decided to stay with him because we were really comfortable with him and he did say that he would allow me to, you know, have the, you know, natural birth and no interventions. And he would allow me to go all the way to 42 weeks if if it came to that and stuff. So we were really comfortable with that. And then we did get a doula. So I was excited. Uh, we were excited to kind of have her support and hoped that would kind of balance out, you know, and, and she would help support our, our, you know, our wants for the, the natural birth and stuff. Um, so yeah, the pregnancy was pretty, pretty, um, you know, you know, nothing wrong with it or anything like that. And her due date was um, December 17th. And I stopped working in the beginning of December because um, we were taking a Bradley birth class. And our instructor really emphasized that 
any sort of stress or, or things you're holding on to could kind of like delay you having your baby and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be stressed with work and, and things like that. So I decided to take, you know, those two weeks off before my due date to prepare and, and nest and, and, and do all those things. And then just have some time to relax before she came. Um, but then, you know, so her due date was the 17th and then Christmas Eve came and I still oh, no. didn't have her. <laughs> and, you know, I was starting to get to the point of being really uncomfortable and just wanting, you know, the anticipation. I just wanted her to be born already. And by this point, I had already been bombarded for a few weeks with, you know, well-intentioned friends and, and co-workers like, have you had that baby yet? Like, you still haven't had her? And uh, mm-hmm. mentally that was just like oh yeah that's and, not helpful <laughs> I know it's not and of course they're so excited which which yeah. I totally get but at that point I was like oh please like don't ask me like I will tell you <laughs> I'm already frustrated <laughs> yes yes and I was like is this girl really gonna take me all the way to 42 weeks like I had read with your first that you know you usually go past your due date but I was like, oh, my goodness. I had no signs that labor was coming at all. I had hardly any breaths and hicks, you know, didn't lose my mucus plug or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, I was like, oh, my goodness, here it is Christmas Eve and and nothing yet. So um, but then Christmas morning, when I got out of bed, there was like a a large gush of fluid um, right when I stood up to get out of bed. And like I said, I hadn't had any contractions and, and none came, you know, immediately after that. Um, but it was a pretty big gush. So we called the on-call doctor because, of course, my OB was off. So that kind of began our journey of seeing, like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't know about the whole OB route for our preferences for future babies. But but anyway, he told me since I was past my dates to go ahead and go in and, and get tested to see if that was really my water breaking. Um So we told our families who are all in town and stuff, and we told them that, you know, we're just getting checked, no need to go to the hospital or anything as of now, but we would keep them updated and stuff. Um, So we get to triage and that, that's, I was immediately disappointed. That's kind of like where the, the journey kind of took a turn and, and it was just so unfortunate because the nurses, you know, I guess maybe because it was Christmas day or something, but they were not friendly at all. They were really cold. Um, and so that was, that kind of started a little bit of like our traumatic experience with, with the hospital and stuff. Um, but so she went ahead and did the amnesure test to, to, you know, see if it was amniotic fluid or my water's breaking. And that was so painful. I, I think, you know, to this day, I I feel like maybe she did it incorrectly, or she was just really rough or something. But it was really horrible. And I felt super violated after that. And uh, we found out that, you know, it was negative. So they didn't think my water broke and stuff. And, but the whole time we were there. So I guess at this point, I was, yeah, I was like 41 weeks or and some change. And she kept making comments that, wow, your doctor let you go this far, you know, like, huh? And that was just really unnerving to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, on-call OB came and he was, you know, not friendly at all and really rough and stuff. And he did a quick uh, BPP ultrasound to, you know, check my fluid and, 
you know, check baby's movements and breathing and, and stuff like that. And he said, look, you can see the baby breathing. That means she's not coming anytime soon. What? And then he, and then, yeah. And then he just like packed it up. and was like, okay, well go home. And I was like, seriously, like, ah. <laughs> I was like, that is not, you know, what I want to hear right now, but okay. You know, and mentally that just, I think that's when I began to have this kind of, I started kind of like breaking down mentally, you know, I started yeah. with all these plans. I had a birth plan, you know, to give to the nurses when we got there. And I was really you know, both of us, my husband and I were really convicted in, in what we wanted and stuff. But, you know, I don't know if it's because I was naive and, you know, it was my first time and stuff, but I was just getting, you know, that started me getting really broken down, like mentally and stuff. And then I feel so bad because, you know, we walked out of, of, you know, triage and then we see our, we saw our family there. <laughs> getting you know they were so excited and they were like looking for us like guys no like it was a false alarm and I remember I just broke down crying because like I kind of felt embarrassed and stuff and then I was also feeling really discouraged you know about my interactions that morning with with them and with the hospital staff and stuff so you know that Christmas we just went home and I was kind of crying off and on all day because I was just feeling really discouraged and um, that amnesure test, like it made it really painful for me to urinate and stuff. So do you um, mind just like taking, what is the process of that? I've heard a couple people having it done before, but no one's yeah. like explained like how they test for it. So they basically, it's like a really long cotton swab that they insert vaginally. Um, and I mean, they have to go, you know, kind of deep to, mm-hmm. to get to your cervix and stuff. And they kind of, you know, swab it around and things like that. Um, but this nurse was kind of, kind of rough. And I think she was having some trouble because I was told like my cervix was high and stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe she just wasn't experienced, but from, from what I've heard from other people who have gotten in. And then when I worked in the OBGYN clinic, you know, those patients who got it, it's not supposed to be painful or, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so they just do a cotton swab and then they, they send it to the lab and they're able to to tell if it was, you know, amniotic fluid leaking and, and stuff like that. So so yeah. Um so went home, it was Christmas Day and we were just we were just there at our apartment and I was really discouraged and stuff like that. And then at this point my OB had, you know, tentatively scheduled me for an induction, you know, when I when I was exactly forty two weeks. And that was just you know, to be, to get me in the books, I guess, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, mentally, I then that put like a lot of pressure on me and stuff. So because I really was did not want to get induced or anything like that, because I know, you know, there's kind of a higher chance of all those cascade of interventions and, and things like that, which I was trying to avoid. Um, so yeah, um, that was Christmas Day. And then the next day I had a, you know, a routine appointment with, with him and I was like a one and a half centimeters dilated or something like that. And he said, you know, I can try to strip your membranes and stuff. So I said, okay, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. And we went and walked around the mall afterwards to get things going, but, but nothing really happened. Um, and then December 28th so early in the morning on December 28th I woke up with contractions that were really really regular and then we started timing them 
and they were getting closer together, but the intensity, it got a little more intense, but then it kind of stayed the same, but the timing was getting closer together. Um, I mean, I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like or anything. So I had made like homemade labor aid. So I started drinking that. And then I was eating some pineapples because I had read that's supposed to like help ripen your cervix or whatever. So I was preparing. I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. This is it. And I was bouncing on the birth ball at home. And then at about like two that afternoon, um, we had like a contraction timing app and we were logging them that way. And the app said they were, you know, close enough together for me to go in. But I could, you know, talk and laugh through the contractions and stuff. And my husband was like, are you sure? Because, you know, our class said that, you know, when when it's time to go to the hospital, like you're not going to be able to talk through them and stuff like that. And I was like, well, the app says, you know, like, I don't know. So we went ahead and, and went in and another just horrible, horrible experience. Um, the nurses were, were just really condescending because of my advanced gestational age. You know, they were kind of treating me like I was like, like neglecting my baby or, or, or something like that. It was kind of bizarre. Um, but she, the OB on call came in and she checked me and she told me I was like a three and a half. And I was like, are you serious? Like, oh my goodness, is this baby ever coming? I was so frustrated. Um, but then she said, well, but let's get you in, your, in a room because you're already, you know, like 41 weeks and five days. So you, you need to stay here. And I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, I want to you know, labor at home and come back when I'm, you know, further along and stuff. Because, you know, I knew if I wasn't comfortable and things, I would kind of be a hindrance to me progressing and things like that. Um, so I told her, well, you know, give us some time to talk and, and we'll tell you what we want to do. You know, my husband and I. And then the nurse comes in and she's like, OK, I'm going to have so and so come in and start your IV and get you a room. And I was like, wait a second, like we haven't told you yet you know what we want to do we still need to talk about it I'm not even like you know dilated um very much so she said oh I doubt the doctor will let you leave because of how far along you are and who's your OB and how did he let you get this far wow you know and I was just in a really (laughs) yeah it was it was bad nurses making comments like that it's just not acceptable I know it, it was it was it was really bad and the nurse she was an older nurse um and she was just giving me like these scolding looks and I was mm. like oh my goodness so but anyway I was just I was in an even more fragile place and you know honestly their scare tactics worked on me you know I told my husband let's just stay like I mean I don't know like maybe they know something I don't like maybe something really bad could happen because I'm so far along I mean I don't know I started having all these doubts about all the research I had done and, and stuff like that. Um, so ultimately we said, okay, fine, take us to a room. And um, our birth class had told us, you know, no distractions, be in the dark. And so we, we really took that to, to heart. So we were in that, that labor and delivery room in the dark and no phones, no TV. And we were essentially just, just waiting and, um, I had made a, a birth plan and a sign that said, like, please don't offer any pain medication. So my doula handed those out and put the sign on the door and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know if that scared them off or something, because, like, they really did not come in to check me 
at all, you know, after the initial introductions. Um, so the contractions started ramping up and they were getting really, really painful. And we kept working through them. And the next cervical check, gosh, I don't know, maybe an hour or two, you know, afterwards, I was six centimeters. So I was like, great. So I guess, you know, I'm in active labor now. Perfect. Um, we keep working through them and you know I have the darn you know IV pole that I'm dragging Mm, around the room and stuff like very inconvenient (laughs) and um at this point it's like three in the morning and I haven't eaten you know because you're not allowed to eat and hadn't slept and um they checked me again and I was still six and I was like okay and that's you know I got discouraged again and I told my husband, let's just lay down and see if we can try to sleep and, and stuff like that. So we, we tried doing that. And about 30 minutes after I laid down, uh, all these alarms went off and the nurses rushed in and they pushed me on my left side and they put an oxygen mask on me. And they said that the baby's heart rate had dropped really low. So they got they got her heart rate back up. I tried going back to sleep. And then like 45 minutes later, same thing. They rushed in and that happened like three or four times and that, that really scared us and we were getting kind of concerned. Um, and then at about eight in the morning, they checked me again and I had not progressed at all. I, I was still um, six centimeters. And so by this point, like, like I had said, you know, I was just, I was really starting to like get to a dark place mentally. I was just so exhausted, so discouraged. Nothing was, you know, going as I had planned, you know, and um, yeah, that was, that was really tough. And of course, you know, the problems that with her heart dropping and stuff, that was kind of weighing heavily on my mind because I I didn't know why that was happening. Um, So shortly after that, another, another, a new OB on call, you know, came in and he said, I think we should break your water and we'll have a baby by noon. You know, this was like at nine in the morning. I was like, fine. Yes. Baby by noon. That sounds great. Let's do it. So he did it. I continued walking around with that ivy pole and trying all these different, you know, positions and, and using the peanut ball and noon came and went nothing, no change. And I was just kind of losing it mentally. And I just kept crying and crying and I could tell my husband was having, you know, a hard time too, because he wasn't sure what to do. And I'm sure he was scared too and stuff. And our family was there this whole time, you know, so we're already into the next day (laughs) and they're still there, you know, waiting so excited and stuff like that. And my, my husband would go out periodically and update them. But, um, yeah, I was just, I was really reaching a wall and it was about six PM, you know, the next day after we had got there and I started to think about, you know, how am I going to push, you know, cause that's going to take a lot of energy and I'm already feeling really depleted and I'm not even, apparently I'm not even close, you know, to that point yet. Um, so I finally told my husband, I think I want to get an epidural, like at least to just to rest and stuff. Um, so we went ahead and did that. And, you know, I did feel like a sense of like shame and disappointment or like I had failed or something. So that was hard, but my doula was so supportive and my husband was really supportive and they said I was doing well and that they agreed I needed to rest. And they thought it was a really good decision that I had come to. 
Um, so after I got it, I immediately felt relieved. Um, I laid down for like an hour and, and slept and stuff. And then the OB came in and said that my contractions like had pretty much fizzled out. And that's what I was scared would happen. Mm. So I was like, oh, my goodness. So he recommended Pitocin to bring them back up. And I was like, here we go, you know, with that <laughs> cascade of interventions that everybody talks about. And but, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know, so I went ahead and got it. And um, at about seven that night, so this all kind of it started to go really, really fast. Um, so I think I had the Pitocin like maybe um, 45 minutes or so. Um, all of a sudden, I felt like just so much like rectal pressure, very, very intense. And I told my husband, I was like, oh, my gosh, can you check me? Like, uh, I think I yeah. like had like a bowel movement or something. And, and he looked and he's like, no, I don't see anything. And it was just getting more and more intense. And I told him to look again. And my husband said he saw her, you know, my daughter's head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I was like, what? So he ran to get a nurse. And, of course, it's 7 o'clock. So, you know, they're in the middle of a shift change. So they're starting. They're, they're really taking their time. And um, the, the new nurse came in. And she's like, well, didn't they just check you? You know, you were only, you know, this many centimeters. I'm like, I'm telling you, like, I feel like I need to push. Um, so she's like, Hmm, let me see, you know, just, just taking her time. And she went to check me. She's like, Oh, there's baby's head. Yep. And I was like, yeah, like I'm telling you, <laughs> you weren't so, listening to me. Exactly. I was like, Oh my goodness. So, um, so she called the doctor and she began to, you know, get the trays ready and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden that fetal ejection reflex just like came in strong and fast. And I just, I could not control it at all. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you need to stop pushing until the doctor gets here. I was like, I literally cannot. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you better hurry. Cause this is just, this is just happening. So anyway, the doctor got there shortly after and I pushed like 20 or 30 minutes with, you know, the standard coaching of, you know, hold your breath and push and, pretty much everything that we had learned in our Bradley class, like kind of went out the window, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, no. So, um, so yeah, but, and then Therese was born at, you know, 802 that, you know, the next day after we got to the hospital and she was seven pounds, five ounces, um, 24 inches long and, and everything was great. And I was just so relieved and happy and, and I was just like buzzing with excitement. So um, after that whirlwind, I was so glad that she was okay. And, you know, I was okay and, and things like that. Um, but with her, you know, the postpartum period was like really, really difficult. And I don't know if it's because we were both naive and we made the mistake of like preparing, you know, doing all the things to prepare for my pregnancy and labor. And we like completely didn't do anything to prepare for like the postpartum period um because I don't know we just thought like oh it'd be it'll come naturally like right figure it out and so I that was that was really really hard you know we we had a lot of trouble breastfeeding and um her weight gain was just she was really falling off the curve and, and stuff like that and it was super painful nurse you know I got blisters on my nipples I couldn't face the shower head when I showered because that's how painful um you know my breasts were and stuff 
And that went on about two months. Um, we got her checked for ties and stuff, but nope. Like, we have no idea why it was that painful and why she wasn't gaining weight. You know, we did have to supplement with formula a little bit, but um, we finally got her weight up and I was able to cut out the formula and stuff like that, which is what, you know, I had wanted. I wanted to exclusively breastfeed and stuff. Um, but yeah, just mentally, the postpartum period was kind of like a dark time for my husband and I. And it was a huge adjustment for us. And we realized we just didn't really prepare very well with what to expect and and things like that. So, you know, I think that we both had some postpartum depression and and struggled in that way for a few months. And it took us a while, but by the time Therese was about six months or so, we we started to find our groove and our routine and felt less stressed and really, really began to enjoy her um, a lot more without all the worry and all those growing pains and stuff. So, so yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. I can relate to a lot from your first as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, it's your first, so it's like, that's, yeah. that's your learning experience, you know, <laughs> I guess in a way. So, so yeah. Um, but, um, when I was, you know, after I had my daughter, I, I didn't, we were doing Creighton, um, the Creighton method and I didn't get a period or anything. So I was getting kind of frustrated with, you know, with tracking and stuff like that. And I was still exclusively, um, breastfeeding her and stuff. And I guess you could say we were technically like, you know, of course we were open to life, but we had talked about like really trying to conceive when, when Therese was about a year old. Um, but God had other plans for us. Um, when I was, I think I was about nine months postpartum with Therese. Um, so it was that October. Um, we went to a St. Gerard feast day celebration at our parish. Um, it's a redemptorist parish and St. Gerard was a redemptorist. So we're really blessed that our parish, you know, kind of goes all out for him on his feast day and things like that. Um, so at the end of mass, they had a relic of St. Gerard and they asked any, you know, pregnant mothers or those wishing to conceive to go up for a blessing and to venerate the relic and ask for um, his intercession and stuff. So um, I wasn't going to go up for a blessing because I wasn't pregnant and I wasn't, you know, wishing to conceive just yet. Um, but my husband said to still go up and, and ask St. Gerard for the intercession to conceive, you know, in God's time. And since we did want more children in the future... So I remember I told my husband, I was like, but is God going to think that I mean like right now or like today? Because like, I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not ready for that. You know, since our really difficult birth and that postpartum period with Therese was really fresh in our minds and, you know, frankly, a little bit traumatic. And um, my husband told me, no, God knows, and it'll be in his perfect timing um, so we went with that and I got the blessing, venerated the relic, and I asked, you know, for St. George's intercession for our next baby and, you know, if it was God's will that we have another baby. And I didn't really give it much thought after that. And, you know, looking back to my shame, um, I kind of think of, you know, what St. Augustine said before his conversion and he said, you know, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. <laughs> You know, and I felt like that's basically, you know, how I was praying that day. You know, I was saying like, 
yes, Lord, we are open to life and the greatest gift that you could give a couple. And we really want another baby, but not right now. And um, so looking back, I was like, wow, you know, like God was really merciful, um, you know, with my, you know, my less than perfect prayer and stuff like that. And he ultimately had a better way, you know, for us than, than we thought. Um, so about a month later, I had a random urge to, to take a pregnancy test. I wasn't feeling sick or, or anything. I just had the thought like, well, let me, let me just take one. And it was positive. <laughs> and since I wasn't tracking, you know, we weren't exactly sure how far along I was or when we conceived. Um, so we went in for our first ultrasound and they gave us the estimated due date, which was July 4th. And, you know, we use that little pregnancy wheel to kind of track back, you know, about when I ovulated and lo and behold, I ovulated on the feast day of St. Gerard. Wow. It was, that was just crazy. And, you know, I was really anxious and nervous to have our kids, you know, that close together and how that would affect my daughter who, you know, was still like, she was, you know, a baby still. And, right. Um, but God's hand in this and St. Gerard's intercession, it was just like undeniable. So, you know, it felt silly to let myself panic about it. And I just kept reminding myself of the amazing gift God had given us. And that was a really, really um, special and peaceful feeling. And I'm just really grateful we had, you know, that sort of an experience with, with St. Gerard's powerful intercession and stuff. Um, so, you know, I ultimately didn't continue care with my OB, you know, you know, that I had with Therese, even though he was really sweet and I loved him, but, you know, that experience of, you know, building that relationship with him. And then, you know, once you're in labor, you know, you're probably going to have like some stranger, you know, take care of you and stuff. Um, I just, we didn't really want to go through that again, um, we really would have liked to try to have a, a midwife and a home birth, but it was hard for us, you know, to justify for our family because we you know, had really good health insurance and they weren't, you know, on insurance and it would be private pay and stuff. So um, I was lucky to find a group of midwives here who were covered by our insurance because they're like, you know, under a group of OBs, but they had their own office and, you know, their own staff and stuff. And it was really, really cool how it worked. So there was like five of them and how they did it was that every prenatal appointment I had, I would alternate through each of them and one of them, you know, so I could establish a relationship with them. And one of them was like guaranteed to be the one who would, you know, deliver me and stuff. So I was super excited about that. Um, so that was a really unique experience, and I, I'm so happy that 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 was here in in, in my city and stuff. Um, so you know, again, my pregnancy was healthy. Um, it started to get really, really difficult around 20 weeks or so because I began to have really severe lower back pain and pelvic pain. I think I had um, SPD, and it began to get like really excruciating to walk and towards the end of my pregnancy, I really couldn't get out of bed without assistance. And, you know, I had my daughter who had just, you know, started walking and stuff. So Mm -hmm. that was, yeah, it was really, really tough. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She wants to play and do all the things, but 
I just cannot. Um, I ended up seeing a PT and it would help for like a day or so. But because of all that relaxing that's in your body when you're pregnant, mm-hmm. like the exercises and the adjustments like didn't really stick for very long. So that was really, really difficult. Um, so by the time my due date came around, which was um, July 4th, I was ready. I was totally like ready to to have him in my arms and stuff. And um, since my daughter like came so late and stuff, when, when, you know, my due date, with my son came and went, I kind of started panicking and I was like, oh no, is he gonna, you know, take his time too and stuff. And I really didn't want to be induced and, and things like that. Um, so I was just hoping that would still be possible. And um, I was seeing a chiropractor regularly and I kind of was talking to her about my concerns and stuff. And you know, when I was uh, like a day or so past my due date, when I saw her, she, you know, gave me the tips to induce labor, like bouncing on the birth ball and taking walks and things like that. And then she mentioned that she had, you know, great success with using acupuncture to induce labor if I was interested in trying that. So I had done acupuncture before and I liked it. So I thought, sure, you know, let's try that. So on July 8th, um, I went in for that. Um, so it was about four days past my due day. Um, and, you know, up until this point, I had zero signs of labor and you no know, Braxton Hicks, you know, nothing like that. So I was really, really shocked when she began to place the needles, you know, they place them in your feet for the, you know, the labor um, acupuncture. And she started placing them in my feet and I immediately began to have really strong contractions and I felt you know, my son moving around like crazy. And that continued for, you know, the whole, I was there like 45 minutes and that continued the whole time for the rest of the afternoon when I went home. And then, you know, by that evening, you know, they fizzled out, but then early the next morning, like two or three in the morning, I began to have strong contractions again. Um, And after a few minutes of getting them, you know, more intense to where I really had to work through them, I started to time them with that contraction timer, um, on my phone, the the app or whatever. And they got about four minutes apart for an hour, which is, you know, when my app told me to go to the hospital, but, you know, because of my experience with my daughter, I was like, oh, I don't know. Cause like, you know, I guess they're not like that bad. So I wasn't sure if it was the, the real deal. Um, but then, you know, as I was starting to think, well, maybe I'll wake my husband up and tell him, you know, what's going on. They, they stopped. So, you know, it's like six in the morning now and, and my husband's waking up and I told him what happened and I said, you know, just, just get dressed and get ready. We had our bags packed and everything. I said, you know, just in case you need to hurry off to the hospital or, or something. And, but luckily I had an appointment with my midwife that morning. So I figured I would allow her to check me and, and see what all those contractions were about if, you know, if they did anything. So, um, the, before I went to my appointment, well, my contractions were like one really, really intense contraction, but like one an hour. So it was kind mm. of weird. Um, I was like, well, I don't know what this is about. So um, I nursed my daughter and I noticed the contractions got super painful and even more intense, um, you know, but still they weren't consistent. So we were kind of confused or whatever, but I had my mom drive me to my appointment so my husband could stay with my daughter and I told my midwife what had happened and how my contractions had practically stopped. And she suggested to check my cervix. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, 
I hadn't had my cervix checked the whole time because, you know, the risk of infection and, you know, things like that. But I wanted to know what was going on. Um, so she begins to check me and she's like, girl, uh, how painful did you say those contractions were? I was like, uh, well, I mean, they were pretty intense, but, you know, they, they stopped. And she was like, you are seven centimeters dilated. <laughs> that is so much like what just happened with my last baby. Really? Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was like, what? <laughs> so she was like yeah you are in active labor so can you go to the hospital right now and I was like uh my husband like isn't even here like (laughs) hold on and she's like yeah I have no idea why your contractions stopped like that you know I'm stumped and um then she kind of she said well you know when I checked you your bags are kind you know your amniotic sac is like bulging and I didn't really feel baby's head um, so we did an ultrasound and his head was still down, but we discovered that I had polyhydramnio. So I had a large, a really large volume of amniotic fluid. Um, so she thinks that I had so much fluid that his head wasn't able to like stay far enough down to make contact with my cervix to keep mm. those, those contractions going. So she said, you know, I think that, you know, you should check into the hospital and, I want to, you know, I think we should break your sack in a controlled environment instead of letting you continue to, you know, labor at home just in case there's any complications or things like that um, since they weren't, you know, 100% sure why things had kind of stopped. Um, and she said, you know, hopefully once most of the fluid is gone, his head can, you know, descend and contraction should pick up that way. So I called my husband and said, get the bags ready and stuff and when I get home, we need to go to the hospital right away. So he called his parents since they were going to be staying with my daughter. And then came a moment I was really dreading for some reason. And that was saying bye to my daughter, who was about 18 months old at the time. And that being like the last moment that it was just her. And I still had some guilt about, you know, I had in my mind that, you know, I was like forcing her to grow up in a way or, or something like that. And it was the first time she was going to be without us in her whole life. So I just felt bad about all those big changes for her. And I was a little feeling a little bit scared to give birth again because of our previous experience. But um, I was just so relieved that, you know, a lot of the work had been done already since I was, you know, already seven centimeters dilated and stuff. Um, so that was kind of motivating. Um, so we got to the hospital and my midwife had already told them that I was coming. So we didn't even have to go to triage or anything they had a room ready for me which was amazing it was kind of like a weird experience they're like okay here's your room come on in (laughs) okay um so yeah that was that was pretty cool and you know I got in the gown and stuff and I did you know this is kind of at the height of COVID so I did that dreaded COVID test you know Mm. that was super uncomfortable and stuff but um we waited for my midwife to come in and bring my water and It's about two in the afternoon now and she came in and kind of updated my husband and stuff and what she was thinking and everything. And then she broke the amniotic sac and so much fluid came out. Like we were there forever, just kind of waiting for like the gushes to stop and stuff. (laughs) Um, And there was um, meconium, but she said she wasn't worried and that it was common, especially since I was a little bit past my dates and stuff. Um, but just to be safe, the NICU would need to be present in the room, you know, during the delivery to, to check him out immediately after giving birth and stuff. And I was like, okay, that's fine. 
So um, she told me to, you know, walk around and, and whatever and see if those contractions will pick back up after that. So we did that about 45 minutes and I bounced on the birth ball here and there, but I didn't really feel anything. So she came back in to check on me and then she asked if I would like to try using a breast pump for nipple stimulation to get things going. And I immediately remembered how my contractions changed um, when my daughter nursed that morning. So I was like, yes, let's do that. Um, so yeah, and I really wanted to avoid, you know, Pitocin and stuff. So I was sparing no time and and trying to get labor going and, and things like that. So she brought it in and I immediately got those really intense, painful contractions again. And they were like on top of each other. And, um, it was kind of overwhelming because I never really experienced that with my first birth. But after about 10 minutes of using the breast pump, the, the contractions were really, really strong and on a pattern. So I, I stopped using the breast pump and I started to walk around the room again. And, um, you know, it was such a different experience having the midwife there. And I was kind of curious how it would play out having a midwife in the hospital setting. You know what I mean? I wasn't sure what kind of limitations and things she would have. Um, but she came into the room and actually stayed in there with us the rest of the time. I remember like Miss Congeniality was playing on the TV in there. And so as my husband and I were walking around, we were kind of laughing and talking with her about the movie. And then a contraction would come and I would have to stop and work through it. And, and then, you know, we were back to chatting again afterwards. Um, but after like 30 or 45 minutes, I began to get to a place where I couldn't really talk anymore because the contractions were, were so strong. And um, then I had to begin doing like really deep moans as a way to work through them while also trying to keep my pelvic floor relaxed because I felt like with my daughter's birth, I was tensing up a lot. And I think that's why I wasn't progressing and stuff. Um, so I, I was standing up and leaning on my husband and just totally like falling into him with every contraction. And they began to get really painful to where my legs were almost getting out. And, and he was just like completely holding me up um, during those contractions. He was, you know, we, we couldn't have a doula, you know, with the COVID restrictions and stuff. Um, but he was a great doula. He was perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> I was super blessed that he was, he was able to, to be in there with me. You know, I was able to have one support person there. Um, and he knows that when I'm in pain or when I need to focus, I'm the type where like, I don't really want to talk or be distracted in that way. I have to really like go inside myself. Um, but I still want that comforting, you know, presence and stuff. So he just did a really wonderful job. Um, and he would just hold me and I rub my back and my midwife was there with us the whole time. And I began to notice her telling the nurse, you know, to get the trays ready and everything. So I'm thinking she was just kind of observing the pro progression and how I was managing and stuff. And that's how she was able to tell that, you know, I was, you know, kind of getting there and stuff. Um, so then I began to feel, you know, that very intense, like rectal pressure again, that I remember with my daughter, um, which, you know, I felt despite even having the epidural with her, um, so then, you know, I was like, okay, I know what this means. Like, it's coming to time to push. So I got into the bed and I had intended to push in, you know, some sort of an upright position and stuff like that. But the pressure was so painful and intense that I, I felt the need to like brace my bottom against the bed and hold onto the rails. And that just felt most comfortable to me. You know, my midwife was like, do you want to, you know, get on all fours or something? And 
I was like, no, that doesn't sound comfortable for me right now. So, you know, I ultimately, I pushed on my back. Um, I think it was about 30 minutes. And uh, what was kind of mentally difficult was after each push, I didn't feel any relief at all from that pressure. It, it was just getting worse. And I think that kind of threw me off. And I was so uncomfortable. And I remember telling my husband, like, help me. And I think that, like, traumatized him. Oh, no. <laughs> we laugh about it now, but I think, like, he was, like, uh, are, like really freaked out by that. But <laughs> I don't know why that, 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 you know, pressure, it was just really hard for me to work through. You know, it was harder than the, than the contractions, surprisingly. So if God willing, we're blessed with another baby, that's something I definitely, you know, kind of like to research and see how I can better manage it because it kind of caught me off guard and, I felt really out of control in the sense that I didn't know how to manage that. Um, but anyway, you know, my midwife was really hands off, you know, despite being in that hospital setting, she would rub my back sometimes and, and say I was doing great, but then she was just in the background and letting my husband and I do our things. So um, when it came to push, she didn't coach me or anything like that. I, I just pushed when it felt right. And when he began to crown, um, that's when she began to guide me and told me, you know, a little bit like, okay, like kind of like slow down with the intensity of pushing and stuff. And um, as she pulled out my son, she goes, oh, you gave birth to a toddler. And I was like, <laughs> what? And um, yeah, so he was, he was nine pounds, one ounce and 24 inches long. And uh, he was born at, you know, nine that 24 night. inches long? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a long baby. He was huge. We laughed because my husband took a picture of him when he was, you know, they were checking him out and wiping him off and everything. And he looks like a little boxer. Like, he was just like this big thing. And he just looks like he's, you know, ready and stuff. It, it was so funny because my daughter, you know, was super petite. She was really, really tiny and stuff. Um so I was like, wow, nine pounds. Okay. Um, but um, since, you know, the meconium was there and stuff, he was kind of having a little bit of a difficult time and, and coughing and, and trying to clear everything out. But then um, ultimately the NICU, you know, cleared him and then he was given to me and we began breastfeeding pretty seamlessly. Thank God. I think it's because, um, you know, I was still nursing my daughter. So it was like, okay, you know, I just did this this morning. So, you know, we'll start nursing and stuff. So, um, I, and then I was concerned about tearing since I was on my back, but I had a second degree tear that healed really well. And, um, I did have some hemorrhaging after, which was kind of surprising. It was a grade one. Um, so they did give me Pitocin, um, to kind of help with that. And that took care of the problem. And we were released to a postpartum room at about 11 that night and yeah Gerard took to nursing like a champ and um it was a real blessing really smooth a completely different experience than with my daughter which I'm told you know with with every labor and stuff like things kind of progress you know faster than the one before so that was definitely true in my case so yeah that, those are my birth stories. <laughs> yeah. I can really, I feel like both of our stories, I have like I have a lot in common with each of them. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's great. I'm, I'm assuming things are still going well. Yes, mm -hmm. things are going what, well. 10 months later. Yes. I just can't believe how fast yeah. time is, is flying by and 
Now I need to start thinking about, you know, planning his one year birthday and stuff <laughs> like that, which is just insane. Yeah. <laughs> Time goes so fast. Do you have any um, like resources or advice that you found helpful that you'd like to share? Yeah. So I have two things that I, I would like to share. So, you know, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but I would, I would say, you know, prepare for the labor, prepare for the, you know, the pregnancy and everything, but put just as much time, if not more into your postpartum setup and those plans, you know, establish a relationship with like, you know, get some, some names for a a good lactation consultant while you're pregnant and kind of touch base while you're pregnant. Um, Because, you know, they kind of, in my experience, provide, you know, more one-on-one care than you know the ones that you see at the hospital and stuff and Mm -hmm. they can check for lip ties and tongue ties and and they don't do that at the hospital um so I would say just have have her or or him or her you know they're ready you know when you get home even just I mean we we had ours come to out to our home like the second day we we had come home and stuff just just to get checked and make sure you know so if any weight gains come up at that two-week visit with your baby and stuff you have an idea of what could cause that or if baby has a lip tie or not or, or whatever. So, um, and then I would say, ask, you know, a friend or family member, like, don't be ashamed to ask if they can set up like a meal train for you or help you make a batch of meals and freeze them and stuff. Um, that'll be really helpful and set up your bathroom with all the postpartum essentials, you know, your pads, your perineal spray, your sits bath and stuff. Um, so don't, don't neglect that that postpartum um, period after you bring your baby home. Um, and then last, I would say, um, I think there's this wonderful book. I'm sure you've heard of it, Laura, but that every mother or, you know, Catholic mother or, or Catholic woman who hopes to, to have children and stuff, it's the book Made for This by Mary Hasseltine. Yes, I um, love that book. Oh, my goodness. It is a gem. And you know, she's a doula. So it has, um, you know, tips about labor and pregnancy and, and, you know, practical things like that. But she also goes into the theology and the spirituality of childbearing and being a mother. And it just was life changing. It was just so inspiring. And yeah, I think that every Catholic woman should read that book. It was just even if you're not pregnant yet or whatever, but I highly, highly recommend that book. It's just wonderful. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing your stories. You have some beautiful witnesses there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm just, uh, we were just so blessed. And I'm so excited that I got to share my story because, yeah, I think they were, they were, you know, pretty interesting and and, and things like that. And I love to to hear other birth stories. And yeah, thank you for letting me share. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. You can find us on Instagram at fiat.podcast. And please leave us a rate and review, and we'll see you next week. Bye.